0: Hey Thriver, welcome to the Career Thrivers Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is your arena where authenticity meets ambition, your career path is championed, your leadership journey is supported, and I'm gonna encourage you to speak up even when your voice shakes. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, here to guide you through owning your power, your narrative, your impact, and increasing your income. Throughout the show, on each episode, you'll hear from some incredible leaders who are going to inspire, challenge, and transform your thinking. We'll discuss what authentic leadership really means, diving into conversations that defy conventions and celebrate your true self. Whether you're making strides in the corporate boardroom or breaking ground on your own ventures, this is your platform for growth, reflection, and breakthrough. I'm so glad you're here. Let's thrive together. Developing an exit strategy to prepare for the next move in your career is a critical success factor to ensure that you. Can thrive on this episode of the Career Thrivers Show. My good friend and colleague Kimberly Brown is joining us to talk all about how can you create an exit strategy where you maintain and continue to build relationships. Kimberly brings a wealth of wisdom from her experiences, her insights, and her transformative book, Next Move, Best Move: Transitioning into a Career You'll Love, which encapsulates her. Deep understanding of effective leadership and strategic career progression. With her guidance, we're going to explore the multifaceted world of exit strategies, relationship building, and for leaders of leaders and leaders of organizations, how can you be intentional to ensure that you are retaining that talent that's thinking about leaving today? Join us as we embark on this conversation with Kimberly Brown. Let's dive in.
1: Hey, friends. Hey, friends.
0: I'm excited about this conversation. So, your journey has been truly inspiring like getting to watch it behind the scenes Mm -hmm. getting to watch it in masterminds that we've been Mm -hmm. a part of together and then of course having everyone else's view online talk Mm -hmm. to us about your journey as a career and leadership expert and starting in corporate and now Mm -hmm. advising corporations
1: oh gosh The first thing I always like to say is that I did not plan for this. As someone who wrote a book that helps you put together a two-year career strategy, I did not plan for this to be my career strategy. So fun fact about me I always share is that I spent 10 plus years in higher ed and I was literally trained to be a career coach. I fell into it. So I joke and say I've helped folks who are age 18 who don't know what to do with their life, all the way through folks who are in their 50s and 60s who wanna build a career that brings them joy. And then I transitioned into corporate America working at a Fortune 100 company in financial services. And I had a very long title. I was the director of Global Diversity Talent Acquisition Strategy, helping people learn how to build a strategy to recruit, retain, promote women and people of color. So my company is literally what I've been trained to do professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's so beautiful. But it's also so scary being on both sides. It's scary being in these large corporations and driving change. And I always say when you work in DE&I, when you're working on, especially helping women and people of color, mm-hmm. you may not be the most well-liked person in the room because you're always pushing against the grain to get different things done. So it was difficult on that end. And now being an entrepreneur, it's a whole different level of challenge. And because we've been in masterminds together, like you've seen like the looks of someone pushing and you're just like, do I really have to do that? <laughs> like maybe I just job, but it's hard having the job and it's hard being an entrepreneur pushing the strategy. Mm -hmm. But I love that I've had both sides and I think it makes me stronger as a consultant, an expert, Mm -hmm. as an author, because I've been able to witness what it looks like in practice in an organization and then telling the organization, like, based upon my experience doing it here, it's not like I just read it in a book and I'm pushing. It's like, no, I've lived this, worked on it, and now we can do it for you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's critical, particularly as a business owner, because Nowadays, we have the world at our fingertips, and it's relatively seamless, I'll say, to become well-learned in an area, but experience is different. So the things that you're building your business around are actually your capabilities. And so I think that's a fascinating way to start a business. I always say, you know, for the entrepreneurs that are listening, I believe one of, not the only, but one of the best places to learn how to run a business is working at one. Yes. Like you really build your business acumen in a way that is different from just learning it on your own seeing how these corporations go about thinking how about how they spend millions of dollars to gain customers and so it's a it's a really unique experience and then you've like expanded that as an author so talk to us you mentioned your book yes. next move best move who's the book for and what's the primary takeaway
1: oh gosh so the book it's essentially, if you were to hire me as a career coach, I felt like I do a lot of speaking and I wanted to be able to give people like, if you work with me, this is just do this. Mm-hmm. Do this, and I promise you'll be okay to make your next move your best move. I'm a big believer that there's no career move, no entrepreneur move you should ever make unless it is your next best move. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you need a strategy. We build out strategies like in as business owners. Like you don't do anything without a whole roadmap, project plan, KPIs. Like we do all that. If we want to lose weight, we have a strategy. And anything. But in the workplace, we don't build a strategy on how to become better leaders, how to build proper relationships. Is this career move actually aligned with the vision I have for myself? Do you even have a vision Mm -hmm. for yourself? That is something that many of us don't have. So the book is really to help you really get clear on who you are, your core values, who you want to be in the workplace, the relationships you need, and ultimately putting a strategy that addresses your gaps. I teach folks that no matter what move you want to make in anything, there's a gap. For some folks, it's one logical step, like you just take a step and you just tell somebody and it happens. For some folks, there's a much larger gap that you have to be able to address in order to make that move. So the book helps you understand what those gaps are, build the plan to attack them over the span of two years. I feel like two years is it's manageable. We start talking about 10-year goals, we're like, I don't really know what's going to happen in 10 years. Yeah. But two years, you're able to accommodate that and really take actionable steps.
0: Yeah, so let's let's bring the leader into the conversation that's managing those people who are saying, "Okay, I've got the book. I know how to put a strategy in place to really own my career." We see oftentimes, especially in corporations, the highest performer is promoted to become the people leader. Mm. And the gap there is that sometimes they aren't equipped with the skills to lead people. So what would you say to the leaders of people who are on about the importance of career development and how they can perhaps be better at encouraging their team to own their development.
1: I'm so happy you said that and it's funny because as I was waiting to come up today, I'm actually working on my next book which is about leadership styles and I was writing something very similar to like exactly what you just said which I love is that the first chapter of this book is called leading as a becoming a people leader. Serving as a people leader is not a rite of passage. It's a choice. Like it, this is a it's a privilege to be a people leader mm-hmm. and I don't think we look at it that way we look at it as okay I'm a high performer I'm going to lead these people we're going to make it happen and especially as entrepreneurs it's like I need more people so I can make more money yes but we're not thinking about the art of being a leader what it takes to literally usher someone in their career in addition to task execution we all right. know the work has to get done but how are you being supported as an individual to thrive and that's so important. And I think it starts with knowing who you are. I think many leaders don't even understand how I manage, how I like to be led, what feels good, what feels authentic. It's just, you're trying to try on different shoes and hope that it lands and hope that people don't quit on you. Yeah, And when they do, you're just SOL. So I think it starts with understanding who you are and also learning how to give proper feedback. Because feedback is one of the hardest things to give. It's equally hard to receive. Mm-hmm. And it's practicing how you're able to do that effectively and just giving yourself time and space. Mm-hmm. And I know shameless plug for career coaches like us. Mm-hmm. If you really aren't sure, sometimes companies don't support you in having a management class where it's not even as in-depth. You may need help either from a mentor or a sponsor or talking to a career coach. To like can you help me become a better leader? Cause that's completely different. You, your intellectual capabilities and your work has nothing to do with you being a good leader.
0: Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because for us, that's one of the biggest opportunities like career thrivers from a coaching standpoint, we see the opportunity to help corporations create a culture of coaching. So typically coaching is on either end of the spectrum. If you're listening in and you're like, Oh, that sounds interesting. I've never had a career coach. Perhaps it's because coaching is usually reserved for mm-hmm. executive level leaders. So you get an executive coach. I literally remember the moment that I learned that my former employer provided coaches. I was in a more senior role and I just had a peer say, hey, have you met with so-and-so? I'm like, is that a new colleague who's at, like, no, that's the coach for our department. I get one of those? Like, who, (laughs) tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, wow, I had no idea that this was even an offering, right? So you have to be more senior Mm -hmm. or coaching gets a negative connotation Mm -hmm. because you're on a PIP, performance improvement plan. You need to be, quote, coached up so you get a coach. But then there's all this talent in the middle that's
1: never had access to coaching. Nothing. They're just flailing. And that's where attrition starts to happen, which Mm -hmm. I always love talking on the corporate side of that. When employees don't know where they're going, they don't feel supported, they leave. Yes. And what's worse as the coach on the other side, I get really sad when I see people's careers and you see someone okay they were an analyst, maybe a senior analyst, got to a manager, and then you see manager 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 yep. and they never get higher because they're repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again and they've never been developed or invested in in a meaningful way. So they don't even understand And they don't get feedback that would help them thrive Mm -hmm. so they're just not understanding like why am i still making the same money and just repeating the same thing at every single company that's what kills me all the time and from a company's perspective you're losing talent that is really good that knows your brand if you can develop them retain them and promote them then it's a win for you and you actually save money versus going out and getting new talent
0: Yes. So I hear you saying that organizations need to have career ladders and a workforce development strategy to retain women and people of color.
1: Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. And we could do it for you.
0: Absolutely. We can. (laughs) We can. We have certainly partnered on projects together. And that's what I just love about like this personal value that I feel like I like push on people but I just think it's made all the difference in my life like this value of ownership and it does not mean that you have to go out and start a business but it does mean that you have to have a thriver's mindset that I get to create the experience that I want I can actually own the experience inside of this company to do things that have never been done to have roles that have never been created to really create an experience where I can thrive but that create that requires partnership and sometimes organizations may be a bit more resistant which leads to the attrition so talk to us a little bit about you know the listener maybe that's joining this conversation today listening in on this episode nodding and saying yep I resonate with that I've had that experience but I think it may be time for me to make another move and my next best move is actually out of this organization first before we get to the exit (laughs) strategy piece of it how do you even know that maybe it's time for you to move on from your organization
1: so i have a whole chapter in my book called how to know when it's time to go because so many people ask me that question and the first thing i say is it is deeply personal it is deeply personal for some people maybe you've had a boss who literally has their foot on the back of your neck and you know you can't go anyplace because of that human being and i think it's important to acknowledge there are bad bosses and sometimes you can have someone who's so influential you can't move left right up down side to side because you and this person have a conflict and if it, you can't change it, move it, get around it, then it's time to go. You may have hit your proverbial glass ceiling. I know when I worked in higher ed, higher ed is known for people who get in that director role. And y'all, they know how to stay. Like, when I was in higher ed, you see someone it's okay, the associate director, how long have they been there? 25 years. Okay, the director, how long have they been there? 32 years. So I literally can't get past this point because they are going to stay here and that next person is in line. So you have to move and get another job. And same in corporate. You can have people who have these legacy jobs and they're not moving. So if you know your glass ceiling is hit and you've put in the work, I believe in role mastery. So. When you are in your role and you have mastered all there is, you're probably training other folks and you're intellectually bored, that's also a time to go. Mm -hmm. If you have a career strategy and you know you need to acquire certain skills and you've mastered this and now it's time to get to the next thing, it's also time to go. When I was in higher ed, my only goal was to become a director of career services. That is all I wanted. So when I looked at everybody, I was like, okay, I need alumni counseling. I need undergraduate counseling. I need graduate counseling. I need all of the different majors. I need to understand marketing and operations. I need to understand finance. I need to understand employer and alumni development. Mm -hmm. So I moved, if you look on my LinkedIn, you'll see that I started to take different roles that gave me each facet. So I was ready by the time of that seven to 10 year span okay, now I'm ready to be a director because I've hit all the things. So I move to acquire skills. Same thing happens in corporate. So again, it's like, what what is your thing? But I'm always big on, did you master where you are before you're trying to go to the next spot? because I don't believe in half-steppers. Mm-hmm. I do not believe in people not knowing their stuff and just thinking they deserve a next job. Yep. And I know that's the millennial, Gen Z, whatever they want to say about us. I'm a millennial too. I say I'm a geriatric millennial though, because <laughs> I'm on the, <laughs> on the other side. On the upper end. On think. the upper end, almost <laughs> Gen X. So people always think that we just want the, we want to be CEO Two without doing anything. Two years and
0: Two years and it's like, what's
1: next? Yes, but, you, but you have to know your stuff. And you can know your stuff if you do your work. I personally was ready every like two to three years and many Mm -hmm. of my clients is two to three years. So if you put the work in and you know your stuff and you're getting bored, it's time to go before Mm -hmm. you start, that starts to show out in your work. It does. I do not believe in quiet quitting in any way, shape, or form. I think it's how do we start to build your relationships in order to usher you into that next move? And let's make sure that move is setting you up for at least one step past that. Yeah. Not just like the holy grail of like, I'm bored here. Let me just jump and do something else. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is going to set me up for the next move. You don't have to know anything after that. But what is just that two steps? Is this going to help with that?
0: Yeah. And you mentioned something about changing roles for skill mastery and skill Mm -hmm. development, I think that's often overlooked because when we think about next move, we're often wired to think the move is up. Maybe the
1: move is across Mm -hmm. so that you develop a new skill. I call those power laterals Mm -hmm. because it's strategic. You may make the same amount of money, but the experience is different. The example I always give is when you think about leaders and organizations. So when I was in my last corporate job, I covered, I think, three or four functional teams underneath me. And when you think about a leader in that top role, you want them to understand these three or four functional areas. Because what stinks is when you have a leader who doesn't know jack about your area. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna be one of the best leaders, it's like not that, I don't think you have to know everything, right? Because we all know the stats, especially on women not applying for jobs because you don't know all the things, right? But I always say like, imagine how amazing and confident you'll be if you know two, two out of four of those areas well, mm-hmm. and have at least dabbled or done a stretch project in the other two it makes you a stronger interviewer, it makes you a more competent and confident leader. So how can we add a few skills before we go for that promotional?
0: Yeah, so you've added a few skills, Mm -hmm. you're building your toolkit, but you still have that leader that's like, I'm not gonna be able to get past this person Mm -hmm. because they're influential, I need to plan my exit. What's the first step? And then how do you put together an exit strategy that is intentional so that you maintain
1: relationships? So I'm really big on relationships. A, I believe one manager should never be able to stop a show and if they can, it means you don't have effective relationships. Mm -hmm. My favorite chapter in the book is called Relationships Are Still Everything. And I teach people about the different types of relationships that are needed. So before you just hit the job board and put it into, people call it what, like the black hole Mm -hmm. and just put it in and hope for something else. It's where are the people in your network who can support you in making that move? Where can you get an introduction? My last few rules in corporate, I never applied without having some type of connection because you also want to understand what is the culture of the organization and what I call that is insider knowledge. Without insider knowledge, you have no idea where you're coming into because when you're going through an interview, they're interviewing you, you put on a suit and you look fly, they put on a smile and look fly and don't tell you about their problems. But when you have insider information, that helps you make sure that you are making a move that is strategic and you're well-informed. So I I say, look at your relationships to understand where are people that you can reach out to and then do a skill assessment on yourself. What skills do you want to continue to use? What skills do you not want to use anymore? Because that's just as important. And what does the next logical step look like? And if you're not necessarily sure on, okay, am I ready? If you're a manager, are you ready for a senior manager? Are you ready for a director? Mm -hmm. It's really kind of doing a skills assessment, taking a look at some job descriptions, talking to your peers, talking to your mentors and getting a sense of where is the best fit for me? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people will say, well, I've been applying and I haven't gotten anything. Sometimes it's just a level mismatch Mm -hmm. or even an industry mismatch. Like, so when I was in higher ed, the titles in higher ed are vastly different than the titles in corporate. Even though the money is much better in corporate, you may have a lower title, but you're making the same amount, if not two times more.
0: Yeah. So would you advise that someone start working on their exit strategy before they start that job search process? Or is it after I've secured the job? Hopefully not. Now I need to be thinking about my exit strategy. So talk to us about the timing (laughs) and then what do we need to be thinking about to include in that strategy? Hey Thriver, I'm excited for you to get your hands on your copy of the blueprint to more visibility and influence. This is a powerful free resource that's designed to catapult your influence and amplify your impact in your business or company. Now, this isn't just another online guide. This is your strategic companion that's going to walk you through the world of personal branding and authentic leadership. Inside, you'll unlock essential strategies that are going to help you do a few things. One, sharpen your self-awareness and your unique story, navigate the complexities of workplace dynamics with more confidence, elevate your presence in any room, and ensure that you are not only seen, but also heard and valued. Why wait for opportunities when you can create them? With this blueprint, you'll learn how to cultivate a personal brand that commands respect and opens the door for new opportunities. And the best part? You'll start seeing the world differently, not just as a place where you fit in, but one where you stand out. You'll transform your self-doubt into more self-assurance and turn your aspirations into to tangible achievements. So join me in our community of thrivers who are making their mark. Don't let this moment pass you by. Head on over to let's thrive together.com to download your free copy of the blueprint
1: to more visibility and influence today. Start your journey and let's thrive together. I think it's never too soon. Mm-hmm. I think when we think about leaders like in the traditional C suite or right below C suite, they're always thinking about succession planning. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite questions when I'm doing executive coaching is to ask people, what is the legacy you want to leave with this corporation? What is the mark that years from now they're gonna say, when Britney was here, 10 years later, Britney did, what is that stamp you want? And I don't think we think about that when you're not in those level roles. So I think that succession planning should start from the beginning. Where do you wanna leave? What do you want that to look like? How, so you can even think about what are the metrics I wanna hit here before I move? So your exit strategy should include Timeline, of course. I like to include succession planning. Even if you're not a senior leader, who is the person? Is there anyone on your team who you can backfill your role with? Because I love helping get someone else into the next thing and grooming someone. That also helps you create better relationships if you already have a backfill for it. I like to include what the transition plan looks like in my exit strategy. I'm really good for a wrap-up doc that has all the projects, all the things, all the people, I start building those things well before I'm even thinking about handing in my letter of resignation.
0: Yeah. And that, that's so critical. I would add to that being thoughtful about how you're going to keep the connections Mm -hmm. because that can be the biggest thing that I think people overlook. It's like, they take the step to make the exit, but now you're in a new organization. You don't have that at insertcompany.com. So how do you maintain connections with those former employees that knew you, knew how you added value, now
1: that you're going to a
0: different organization.
1: It's so funny, I'm having a conversation with one of my clients right now who's currently leaving a job. And I'm like, the power of the BCC. Make Listen. sure when you send that goodbye email with your phone number, with your email, you BCC yourself. Now, don't be out here. I'm not telling you to BCC all of those company documents that you want to keep for yourself. I'm not saying that because every corporation <laughs> would be like, girl, we're not going right, to do that. Right. But to keep their emails so that you at least have that. Make sure you're proactively sharing your email, your phone, your LinkedIn. But at least have their emails and start to do a little tour. Yeah. I think... When we think about networking, I think people imagine that age olds, almost like our career fairs back in the day, right? You're walking into the school gym and everybody is there and you feel like the lonely kid who has no friends. So you grab a cocktail. Well, if you're old enough to drink, you have a cocktail and you mm-hmm. sit in the corner and you hope someone talks to you as you're networking and doing that. But I always like, like, let's pare it down. I yeah. believe in having a hit list. So who are the people who you need to take with you? Mm-hmm. And what does that list of like five to 10 people look like? And how can you obviously keep in touch? But what does that look like over the span of a year, two years? What is your cadence? Because you don't need the entire free world. You really just, honestly, you need one. Yeah. You need one person to make a difference, but I like to diversify and I like to have at least like five people who are the five people that I want to take with me for the rest of my career and Mm -hmm. build a follow up plan to keep in touch. Yeah.
0: And if you really want to take it to the next level, one of the things that was helpful for me. So similar to you, Mm -hmm. I'd started planning my business. I knew the exit strategy Mm -hmm. was I'm going to jump into this thing full time and I wanted my people to know, but I wasn't ready to tell them yet because I was still in those early phases and to, to add some context Everyone knows their last day at work. Mine mm-hmm. was August 19, 2019. <laughs> that was my last Mine day.
1: Mine was May 19th. Was it? Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. That, that was my last day at Pfizer. And so I knew that I had never, maybe not never, but rarely did I have a follow-up plan as the employee that was staying when someone sent this long email with their personal email address. Even if I had a connection with them or I'm like, you know, I'm sad to see them go. So I thought like, what would make sense if I really want people to stay connected, even if they're too busy to like, reach out to me. So I I pulled a page from my early business strategy days and created a lead page and it really Mm -hmm. made a big difference. It may sound over the top, but I want to share this for somebody that wants to be maybe a little bit more creative about your exit strategy. So it was just a single page. You can leadpages.com. There are tons of software out there. And I recorded a video So in the video, it said everything that I wanted to share. I didn't want to send a five paragraph email. I sent a three sentence email to click the link. They saw the video where I was doing all of my, you know, and and to right? you got to know your, 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 your strengths. You mentioned this. I'm like, I'm much better like speaking to share the energy and emotion of this moment. So did the video. And then I invited them to say, Hey, if you want to, you know, stick around, connect with me, you know, follow along with this journey with me as I figure out this next step, drop your personal email. Cause I didn't want the emails to bounce below. And I had over 150 of my colleagues <laughs> of course that you shared would. their email and some of them are still on my list and some of them. So if you're listening in uh, are still connected to the podcast and everything that I get to do today. And I think that was a big difference maker in just, how you can be thoughtful about that exit. So if you
1: have an exit coming up, get you a lead page. A hundred percent. I think that we rely too much on social. I think mm-hmm. the analogy I always give is like dating. Like when someone asks for your Instagram, they're not going to talk to you again ever because they're not going to find you. They're literally not going to see your profile. The same thing happens on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. They're not going to find you. They're going to follow at, I think on LinkedIn, I probably have over 10, 11,000 people on there. Like I'm not going to see you. So you giving me your LinkedIn really isn't going to do anything for me because I'm going to forget. I need to screenshot it. I need to add it to my calendar. I need to put you in another document. You have to be intentional because otherwise they're just going to go into the abyss because they're not going to come up on Instagram. They're not going to come up on LinkedIn or whatever social media platform it is. Those are great, I think, for quick touch points, But not intentional outreach to really say you have a vested relationship with this human being. Yeah, you definitely
0: have to take that next step, even if you are connected in those places, so that you do maintain those relationships. So, what would you say to organizational leaders that are listening who are concerned about? Retention. They're like, hey, y'all are talking about exiting an exit strategy. I'm trying to keep these people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the reality is they're yeah. leaving. Right. And you and I, we work in this space and we know this. Most organizations, if you disaggregate your attrition data, the surprising pipeline problem with DEI is not getting in the door for every one to two black person of color, woman that enters in the organization, there's two to four that are leaving. So you have a clogged pipe, you have a leaky pipe, and to address the leaky pipe, what advice would you share to leaders about how they can do a better job of retaining women and professionals of color?
1: Actually get to know them. I think that we underestimate the power of the non-tactical leadership style. Mm How do you actually build relationships? As a manager, if you do not have a good relationship with your team and you can't tell when they're about to leave, I think we underestimate the power of that. Good leaders know their people and they also plan for their career inside and outside of the corporation. It's teaching leaders not to be afraid to really know their team and have candid conversation and know what is their actual plan and if I'm very honest, I do not care if your human resources has a career development plan for you. I do not care what your three to 60 feedback looks like. I do not care about what your quarterly check in mandatory career conversation looks like because most corporations, those are terrible. And they're very surface Levels. level. And you skip them <laughs> and you cancel them because you have more KPIs to talk about. Mm-hmm. And they're not, you're not coached on how to do it. You have these dumb little questions. And then you let your employees give you basic answers so you actually don't know and you're not connecting. So when I talk to organizations, I challenge leaders, especially when we're doing coaching, how can you really and truly get to know your team and what their needs are? Mm -hmm. And yes, I think... Performance is number one, right? I always say excellence opens closed doors. So as the employee, your performance needs to be great because no one is going to develop you to do the next thing if you can't do what you need to do right now correctly. Mm -hmm. So when someone's performance is good, how can we actually get to know them and help develop them throughout the organization? And I think organizations to work on retention. One of the things I love is organizations who create programs for people to do stretch projects introductions to other teams so that maybe it's not retaining on this team I think it's very unrealistic to say this person is going to be an analyst manager senior manager director vp yeah. that it's not the normal trajectory, but it's how can we create a culture where people can move around, they can explore their skills, explore their interests, share time, almost like graduate rotational programs. How can you create some internal rotational programs for your talent that is performing well to allow them to explore their interests in the safety of the company? And that generally significantly significantly increases retention. Because people can still explore in a safe environment where they know and love and retain their relationships and they don't feel stifled. Employees leave because they're stifled. They are underappreciated, underacknowledged, or underdeveloped. That's why they're leaving. And you can fix so many of those things by empowering leaders to build deeper relationships and creating some programs that create the structure for the organization to do at scale. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we all love, particularly in corporate, a good star story.
0: <laughs> yes. Whether you're interviewing or you are an HR professional that's sharing the employee value proposition of your organization to increase your employer brand, talk to us about a success story that comes to mind. That kind of encapsulates our conversation. So someone that you know that maybe has had a really impactful, well-crafted exit strategy where they were able to maintain relationships and then how that led to their next best move.
1: Gosh, it's funny because whenever anyone asks me for a success story, my first thing, I always want to go to salary negotiation because I think those are the sexy things when we talk about Mm -hmm. corporate. And I think I've had clients who've negotiated double what they've made. So I'm talking 40, 50, 60, 70K more than where they currently were, which is life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. Just know I could do it. <laughs> but I could talk about... Mm-hmm. You can um, add that one too. You know, we got <laughs> time for two things. Because people always like that. But I think in order to get that, it's having the successful exit strategy and all of the, the non-sexy work that gets you to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me think. I have a client who is a rock star at their work. They are highly coveted by the organization. They have great relationships, but they were very much underappreciated. And underappreciated, let me say, maybe not underappreciated, let's say Mm underacknowledged. They were that person where when you have a project, I need this person. Mm -hmm. Like we need them to do it. Like no one else is really doing this right. Do you mind just doing this real quick for me? So they always had an overflow of work, but they never built sponsored relationships. So they had really great mentors, they had really great teachers, they had really great colleagues, but never had the sponsors who would stick out on a limb for something that is to help that individual move forward. So we worked over the span of a year to really cultivate relationships with people. And I say sponsor those folks who can pick you up from where you are and put you where you rightfully belong mm-hmm. because of their power and their influence. So we worked to cultivate those relationships. So they were actually able to make a power lateral into a different organization that allowed them to be in less of a task execution role and more of a strategy, so using their brain to build their profile. And then a year later, because of that sponsored advocacy, it got introduced to someone else. And instead of waiting like a two-year period in a year, so they made two moves like year after year into that true promotional role. Mm. And it was incredible. And the promotional role was outside. They made an internal and then they made an external. And that's where we got a lot of the money because we all know external moves generally like increase the revenue, but they were able to keep the sponsored relationships on both sides. And it was very strategic. And I think because of how they raised their profile and built the relationships, the company was, of course, sad they were leaving, but they were like, if you ever. Want to come back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a home for you because it was such a seamless transition and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they had the empathy, they had the leaders, the empathetic leaders who they were able to really talk through it. So they felt like they were along the journey in seeing that person win. It wasn't a Brittany left me high and dry. Yeah, they yeah. built all the things. So it's such a seamless transition. And I tell people, yes, leaving, ultimately, people want to make you stay. But when you can create a seamless process, that's how you really retain your relationships. I know I hate seeing all of like the little clips online, or people talk like, well, "I ain't given two weeks, you ain't giving me two weeks if you gonna yeah. fire me," yeah. or all these things. And I totally get it. But I'm like, if you really care about relationships, and I think also when you've had jobs the way both of us have, you can't just leave. And in all honesty, you really need like a month. You really yeah. need four weeks' notice. Sometimes a little longer, if we're really honest. Two weeks. There was, I couldn't have done nothing in two weeks. Yeah. So when you're in a high-powered position where people are looking for you, you, they not only just need your work quality, but they need your brain and intellectual property. It's... How can you wind that process appropriately down so that they are set up? And it's not that you need to finish everything Mm -hmm. because I also don't believe in burning you out. It's how can you create that exit plan that gives everyone what are you working on? Who are the key stakeholders? Where did you leave things? Like these are all the resources. I remember when I worked at admissions as an admissions counselor years ago, I remember I had like my school list and I worked at a small college in the Bronx and I had all of my schools down. I had my main contact and I had my favorite contact and I had like the, if all else fails and they won't let you in school call this person <laughs> i had that contact and i remember the person who actually got the job later didn't know they reached out and they were like girl i do not know who you are but thank you because i hit the ground running because you built this stuff yeah. that just made it easy yeah and i wasn't even at that i left really early in that job too that's one of the few jobs i think i was only there 10 months tolls went up in new york city and i was commuting from long island to another borough and My check wasn't checking the way it needed to do. (laughs) And those tolls were taken. I was like, I need to leave. Like I need to go someplace else. And that's how I got into career development. So it was the perfect move for me. But even though I was there for 10 months, that's probably one of the bosses I've had who has been an advocate for the trajectory of my career. Mm. And I think it's because of the exit plan because it let the next person get in and kill it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's so important to shed light on because when we hear exit, we automatically sometimes think it's a negative, but you can leave on a high. You can leave with the welcome to come back, whether it's to come back as an employee or to come back as a consultant or a potential partner if you've moved on from an entrepreneurial standpoint. That's why so often when I'm sharing about my journey, like I am very intentional to tell people, I do not have the entrepreneurship story that I hated my job. Mm -hmm. I worked at an incredible organization with some of the most brilliant people that I've ever met and did work that I actually loved that I lean on every day to this day in the work that I get to do today. So you want to maintain those relationships and have an exit strategy like your client where you can actually thrive in what you're doing next. So as we wrap up here, for all of our career thrivers that are listening, what
1: does thriving mean to you? Oh, what does thriving mean for me? Um, That is such a good question. And when you sent it, I was like, I need to think on this one. May have needed like another day, but I'm going to give you what's coming to the top of (laughs) my mind. What does thriving mean to you presently? (laughs) I think thriving for me is that balance of thriving in your personal life and your professional life and having this perfect merger that brings you joy. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to experience joy daily, even when things aren't the way that you would love for them to be. I think anyone who who knows me personally knew that it's 2023. 2022 was a brutal year in my life, in my career that like started in 2021. I'm not the same person I was because it was, it was crazy. And I think before thriving, I would have told you that it was more, my answer would have alluded to like accomplishment based mm-hmm. and like achievement based, like checking the list. Cause I, I love a list. I love a list and I love crossing it off that it gives me a high. It still does. But I think experiencing joy even amidst life's issues, you're not always gonna love the job that you're in. You're not always gonna love the business you've built. You're not always gonna love your friends, your family, your spouse, all those things. But it's how can you have some semblance of joy? And I think when you're attached, when the things you do every single day are aligned to your core values, aligned to who you are and you understand your why, you can experience joy daily, even when it feels like you're that meme where all the fire is like just burning around you. And you're like, I'm okay, ouch, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. So that that's what I think thriving means: experiencing that joy. Well, I feel so blessed that I get to experience
0: you thriving <laughs> and you. seeing the joy that you radiate and that you bring to the clients that you get to work with. So thank you, friend. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Anytime, anytime. Just give it up to Steve. for Thank <laughs> you
0: Awesome. That was so fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Thrivers show. I hope that you took as much from that episode as I did to not only be inspired, but to actually move towards action. And I want to help you do that. So be sure that you head on over to careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast and download our Thrivers guide to take your career and leadership to the next level. Share this episode with a friend or colleague, subscribe, rate, and review. And I cannot wait to see you inside the next episode.